our guest types so loud. She can't hear you. Yeah. We have that Fu Cray in the house. Banging away at the keyboard. Actually, the Apple Are you recording keyboard, already? Yeah. The Apple keyboard is super loud. Not really. You don't think so? My my mechanical keyboard is louder. Not that this is a your contest. Gamer, your gamer keyboard. My Corsair wireless keyboard. Right. You are... With backlighting. You are not sponsored by Corsair. Hey, if they would sponsor me, I would take it. You can buy this Corsair keyboard on Amazon. That would be a double sponsorship. Yeah. That would be a Corsair Amazon. Twofer. It'd be one of those things where, where it's like an affiliate where like, these are the items I use, including this Corsair wireless keyboard. You can buy it on Amazon now. Proceeds from this purchase will go and support Macon. <laughs> Probably what it sound like, right? Oh man! I mean, if there's to that point though, honestly, to, if there are any companies listening to your read right now, they're not gonna pick us. I don't know, man. There's some pretty cheesy like ad reads out there. There are also ones that are better than that. However, I I have to admit I'm very fascinated by the affiliate model. Fascinated? How? Just what does like, that mean? Like fascinated? I want to participate. Yes. So the way I look at it is like if. This is interesting that we're starting off. Like, let's say we all the equipment we use is like brand A's microphones, brand B's like recorders or whatever. You can all of a sudden speak about this product in an objective way. And then if someone wants to like take your advice and buy it, then you can obviously reap the benefits of that. Mm -hmm. So it, it allows you to make money in a different capacity while still maintaining some sort of journalistic integrity. So I could review something, I could slam it and be like, this is the worst thing ever. But if you still really want to buy it on Amazon or this product's mediocre, because it's also reputational too, you right? Know, weird thing though, is that people sometimes get mad about affiliate links. If you don't disclose it, in my opinion, I think that's the biggest one. If you disclose it and like, hey, this helps me support the website or helps me support what I do, why would you be mad? Especially if it's providing value. It is interesting. And if, and if they hate and they're just haters. It is interesting because sometimes maybe you just mention a product tangentially too. Yeah. But if you're going to link to it, you might as well use an affiliate link. You just released a story that you're really proud of. Yeah. I'm really happy with the tonal Joshua Kissy story. I think it turned out really good. I Generally what gets me excited is when I cut a story, I, I re-listen to the interview and you still kind of get some sort of feeling from it in terms of, oh, that's really impactful what he said. Or like you get excited just about the, the overall storyline yeah i i listened to you haven't listened to the whole thing yet right i haven't listened to the whole thing longer. straight through yeah. but i've actually listened to sections of it twice now and i enjoyed it both times yeah no i listened to the whole thing i think he's pretty solid i really like this one as well including the imagery the subject your yeah. final interview who's the photographer again i don't know how to pronounce his name it's rog walker is it raj you think I think it's Raj. Anyway, shout out to Raj Walker. I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. And there's another story coming up as well with Josh and Cleon Gray. Yep. One of his close friends. What else have we launched recently? Did Rise go up on Tuesday? Yes. Yeah. Did we mention that before? Nope. 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 Rise is a new hotel that opened in Hongdae by our good friend Jason. Hongdae in Seoul. Hongdae, Seoul, South Korea by Jason. Schlaubeck. <sighs> I just can't. You got to give Jason me an Schlaubach. audio dictionary, man. Jason, Jason Schlaubach. So huge congrats Alongside to him. Alongside Leo Moon. Mm -hmm. So those two like are kind of the... Yeah, I'm actually really happy with that one too. It's been a Did good week. Did you listen week. to that one? Um, I listened to Alex's feedback and his happiness makes me happy. 
Wait, so you didn't even listen to it. You can't proxy derive happiness. Why can't I? He so rarely is like just enthusiastic. I do kind of get excited when you have the ability to capture really strong audio quotes because it's just so much more like humanistic. Don't roll it, your eyes. It wouldn't be making it up if you didn't work that word into it. All right. What else do we have going on? Yeah, what else What else do you have on the on the laundry list? I do have some other stuff I wanted to talk about. This. You mean this wasn't important? This was important, but we're moving on. <laughs> Next item of business. Yes. Did, did you um, see any updates about the WWDC conference? I did, but I didn't, I didn't look that closely. Mostly uninteresting, but I think this is related to- Digital well, health. Yes, exactly. I saw enough then. Personally, that was the most interesting thing from the conference, according to me, is that Apple um, released a couple of new features, including a better do not disturb and screen time, which showing you, sim- same as what Google released, showing you how much time you're spending on apps and allowing you the options to like lock yourself out, like giving yourself limits. This is related because we talked about guessing how much time we spend on Instagram. But then even before screen time came out, we figured it out by using the battery. I have to admit, I've been using it a lot less. I moved it away from the home screen. It's on the third page now. And that stops you? Well, it's not in front of me. I don't see the notifications. Oh, that's crazy. But I don't turn on any of my push. Or for social media, I don't even turn on the batch, like the little red circle. And also how I find all of my apps is, this is turning into a systems management podcast right now. How I find all of my apps is from pulling down and doing a search because they're all hidden in folders. Now, Now we're going down this rabbit hole because I recently reorganize my home screen, right? It's still by color. It starts by most colorful and then it goes down to most sparse. And I- There's only one I gave you a there. little bit of hate for this yeah. organizational system. Color is the least productive way to organize a thing. I don't know. I just, it looks cool. I hate to admit it. That's such an Alex thing to say. You know, what's you know the- you're spending so much time with him. Look at you. I feel like I need to be a little bit more respectful of aesthetics. Okay. You know what's on the third page, the last page, alongside my Instagram app, a folder of games. SimCity. I don't play it anymore, to be honest. Really? It's not fun anymore. Why? Weren't you like heavy into it? I got bored. Oh, okay. I still have more things to talk about. Why do I have so many follow-up items? Do you have anything? No, I leave it to you because I know that you have like 50 things prepared. Last item that I wanted to talk about because we didn't pick it for one of the fully-fledged subjects is Alexander Wang did Mm -hmm. a, the thing I think is most interesting about this. So we shared this in the briefing. Alexander Wang had a show recently in New York celebrating immigrant Americana. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what he called it. That's the theme that he gave it. And what I found interesting is that it's out of season. And it was like this whole big production, like fashion week level production, you know, celebrities, the whole nine yards. And it's just like this, I think it is indicative of moving forward in fashion, like leaving do behind. What you want to do. Yeah. And when you want to do it, because it's not, you don't need to rely on those old models of production and distribution anymore. If I think you do to a certain capacity, but the stronger your direct to consumer business becomes, the easier it is to do things like this. Not to say I know exactly how his business looks, but. Right. Well, I mean, Alexander Wang is obviously a very recognized name yeah. as well. So he's reached a point in time where and he can do what he wants. And he's also part, I think, of what you would say, the more traditional business lexicon versus, I don't know if lexicon is the right word. Sometimes I try to be overly smart framework. It's very honest. Word. Yeah, well, sometimes it just comes to me and like, hey, that's the word to use, but it's not. Actually, can you, can you just Google lexicon? 
I'm second guessing myself. I think it means vocabulary. It has to, yeah, it's more to do with vocabulary. Yeah, the vocabulary of a person, language, or branch of knowledge. There's no other secondary like framework. <laughs> a dictionary, especially of Greek, Hebrew, Syriac, or Arabic. So it's like a framework of words. I'm still no, wrong. it's not a framework. Oh, a dictionary is not a framework of a lexicon. words. No, a lexicon. It it's like a collection. It's not the framework. Well, he's it's part the, of the old school fashion designer collection used in a metaphorical sense. No, I don't even want to I don't even want to own that. Let's let's move on. We're moving on. What's God, your subject for the day? Subject of the day is this month is obviously LGBTQIA month. What's IA stand for? I know I stands for, oh, I do know what A stands for. Intersex and asexual. Okay. I, I believe that's right. But I think the useful thing to just, just say is LGBTQ plus. You can say but IA then, plus. But, but then you kind of, you, you reduce the general. IA people. I'd rather just get it right, even if it's long. But what if there are people that fall outside of LGBTQIA? I feel they've done a, a good job of continually adding people <laughs> to it. I don't know if that's ignorant, but no, this I'm is okay. true. I recently listened to a podcast LGBT, about the history of this. Then Q, it was originally then I, just, then I think it was first just G, right? Yeah. And then L, anyway, not the point. Continue. But I think so. That, it's LGBTQIA month. Yes. Also known as Pride Month. Pride Month is something that's kind of gone through this sort of, I don't know, if, I don't know how to describe it. It's like almost gone through this Hallmark type experience where if you're not familiar, Hallmark is this sort of a greeting card brand out of the United States. And they've done a really good job of just turning any event into some sort of consumeristic affair. Mm -hmm. So in the case of this month being, you know, Pride Month, a lot of corporations and brands have released selective collections that pay homage or celebrate Pride. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, and you're correct. Whether it's Levi's, Nike, Doritos, go through the whole gamut of like American corporate brands and there's probably some sort of involvement there. Yeah. And right? some companies have made some pretty big gaffes in the past, like Skittles. Do you remember that? Skittles released a all white Skittles Yeah. to celebrate Pride Month in a very kind of weird backwards way of looking at it. But anyway, so Nike, what does Nike do? So Nike Be True basically caught a bunch of flack for using a controversial pink triangle on its new collection for Pride Month. For the last six years or so since 2012, Nike and other, as I mentioned, big corporates have released these, these collections, right, to help support the community. They often take a pretty familiar approach. It's generally focused around certain color palettes and also the use of rainbows, which is a pretty iconic element within the community. This year, they took a pretty bold stance and used an inverted pink triangle as part of their sort of graphic design and art direction. For those unfamiliar, pink triangle seems pretty, pretty innocuous. It's, you know, just a pink triangle, right? What's interesting is that it's been a pretty impactful sort of visual element throughout history. So during the Holocaust, it was used as a mark to identify and persecute gay prisoners. Mm -hmm. By the Nazis. By the Nazis. By the 1970s, it was reclaimed by pro-gay activists and later adopted by the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, which goes by ACT UP. Yeah. So one of their most memorable campaigns in the 1980s was Silence Equals Death. Mm -hmm. So after it was all said and done, this collection was released 
And there was actually a, quite a bit of sort of uproar around just Nike's involvement. Act Up kind of noticed, hey, you're, you're kind of paying homage to our usage of this inverted triangle, but it's kind of ironic because you're not really supporting our cause, right? So they called them out on Twitter. Nike responded and like, hey, let's talk. But I think what's also interesting is that there is this sort of tension that exists between sort of the LGBTQIA community and just corporate America and corporate businesses because they often feel as though they're just used as a vehicle to sell stuff. And there's this really interesting Instagram post I came across from... Babyfat.jpg. Yes, babyfat.jpg. Went on this pretty long Instagram post and basically called out a bunch of brands and said that it's interesting how corporate America is sort of rushing in to make money off of them. Yeah. Right. And making very nominal donations yes. to LGBTQIA um, companies or sorry, organizations. Yeah. So I actually want to read this passage because I think it's quite impactful. Okay. It's kind of long and this is halfway through, but let's get one thing clear. Corporate pride collections are nothing to be proud of. Pride collections stand to make millions of dollars that will be used as profit for the companies. They appropriate our culture, our history, and our struggle to profit off of us. They take the violence we face and they glamorize it for profit. They take the work and livelihood of queer artists and use it without consent or payment to profit. In the case of Nike, they have effectively taken a symbol that was originally used as a marking to kill queer and Jewish folks during the Holocaust, only to be reclaimed by queers during the AIDS crisis to personally profit. Nike and every other corporation with a pride collection doesn't care about the lives of queer and trans folks. They care about profit. Let's not forget that many of these companies still use slave labor to use their products, and that's nothing to be proud of. We're in an era where fake activism and wokeness is trendy, but let's not be fooled by this new stream of marketing. Consumerism is not liberation. Capitalism is not liberation. Let us remember that the first Pride started with a riot and was started by Marsha P. Johnson, and that every Pride after shall be a riot. Okay, so let me try and play the other side of this. Is there a way that Nike could do this properly? And is there already a existing positive outcome from the Be True collection that this one mistake doesn't negate? I would say that in general, when big corporations come to the table, they're always going to be under a lot of scrutiny. And especially big corporations at a level like Nike exist to be profitable for shareholders. Yep. Right? What I do think that you need to be cognizant of is that as a vehicle and you can't really hit on Nike for creating a great brand that has a lot of touch points with consumers, right? What a Be True brand does in my eyes is like all of a sudden you're, you're using it as an opportunity to talk about things that otherwise would be very difficult for them to talk about because it's almost, I don't, I don't want to say it's irrelevant because it's very relevant. It's just that you've, you've found like a more authentic way to introduce the subject. Mm. Now, if, Nike was to talk about this in the middle of October, just on a whim. What does that mean, right? Does that look like authenticity? What does that, what does that mean? Like, Wouldn't that be more authentic because they're not just jumping on a month where they're expected to do something? I don't know. Maybe you're right. I'm try actually when I said that I was trying to wonder if that made sense or not. But I think what I'm trying to get at is that there's so many people that interact with Nike of all different walks of life that. Just by virtue of you creating this collection, at least people are aware of it. I think there's a lot of things they could have done better, right? I think it is kind of weird to to acknowledge the work of one of these sort of like pioneers in the space, but not really directly support them. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, 
I don't want to just slam Nike for this one pink triangle incident because I do think about, is there a side of this story that we haven't seen where Nike doing Be True Collections, this is not the first one either, right? They've been doing this since 2012, is important for LGBTQIA individuals where they feel more seen and recognized because there are Nike sneakers that pay homage to them. Yeah. I just wonder if that's possibly a facet of this. The way I look at it is that there is at the very least a, a sense of awareness and time spent doing this whole initiative things would always be better. I mean, in the yeah. eyes of, I'm sure, the whole LGBTQIA community, yeah. things would be like changed at the flip of the switch. Yeah. There's so much ingrained hatred and or miseducation that you're just going to have to take it step by step. You know, there's a lot of things that need to change, but it's so ingrained that it's difficult to make it happen overnight. Yeah, I don't want to tell baby fat JPEG how she feels about it, right? Or how, right. No, how they no. feel about it. Sorry, no, I think I that's think valid. I think her view is valid. Are you sure it's a her? Yes, because I'm on her Instagram. Okay. Well, how do you well, know she's I not? don't know. That's the pronoun she chooses to use so long okay. as we're having this conversation. But I'm not discounting that view. I do want to see if there's a possibility there are people who feel positive the other way about this. But yeah. what I, I do think is missing from this particular Be True collection with the pink triangle is partnership with ACT UP. I think that is a huge oversight that Nike would choose to use a symbol that is so linked with an existing organization and not partner with them to do this and not clearly, you know, give them proceeds. You know, what I always find interesting is that given the current, the current challenges faced by ACT UP and all these other people in the space, right? It's interesting because if you don't operate with them by your side, how do you even really know what problems to solve? Yeah, it's true. And right. then it just becomes like, oh, we're making a design solution. Like this looks cool. You know, pink and lavender looks cool. That's what it turns into. I think there is an example of Nike making statements um, for equality in good ways. You know, like I don't think they have, I mean, their track record is messy. We have talked about them on this podcast in relation to different things and how they could do it better. But the article you referenced from the Glow Up includes this campaign they did with an activist whose name's like, I'm going to pronounce wrong. I want to say it's Lyomi Maldano. Lyomi Maldonado. We'll put this in the show notes. And she's this ballroom icon transgender activist. And the feature was on her as an individual. And I thought that's really well done. Like, it felt more real that we found someone who is important to this movement, who is, you know, cares about it in a pre-existing way, as opposed to a company just stepping in and pretending as if they do. You risk being tone deaf when you don't bring in the relevant people you're trying to speak to. I mean, that's like the most obvious thing ever. Also one thing that the statement that you read out from that Instagram user hits on is Consumers looking at the products companies make and then at the company themselves and then seeing a disconnect. Yeah. And not just Nike. Okay. Yes, Nike, in terms of also recently with their internal shuffle regarding, you know, sexual harassment allegations, but, you know, Target or um, whatever other companies do pride products 
are they inclusive of LGBTQIA people in their corporations? Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't that be more significant if a company was transparent? Like, hey, we intentionally sought out to hire. We intentionally sought out to promote yeah. these people. No, I think that's that's something interesting to bring up because I'm curious because uh, I didn't read the first part of babyfat.jpg's piece, but she calls out a lot of stuff that pertains to different brands and organizations and whatnot. And then I was looking, just scrolling through people calling out like Doritos. Like I'd be very curious and it's a nice sort of challenge to sort of push the creative limits. How does a brand like Doritos contribute meaningfully and authentically to this conversation? I don't know because I'm not from that world, but just knowing that, hey, this is an ongoing conversation. And if they want to actually make a difference as a chip brand, how do you do it? <laughs> it winds up being about your internal operations, not just campaigns, not just how do we sell chips in a way that is designed to appeal yeah. people do, interested do in pride Do you think there's issues? a chance that someone that is approached to work with a Nike or work with the Doritos or, or Target has this sense of maybe they're being also used as a marketing piece or do you create a system or a relationship that ensures a proper outcome where everyone's happy? Because hmm. obviously in this current capacity, no one's really winning. Nike just got slammed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Act Up doesn't wind up getting oh, well, money out of this. Currently, yeah. yeah. And even if they do end up putting money down, it's like it's, it's an afterthought. Like it happened after the fact, after people spoke up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think as outsiders... We can't know what happens internally for collaborative projects. Mm. But let's say Nike next year does partner with Act Up, then I would assume that it went well if Act Up was like, we're super happy to announce that we did this yep. XYZ thing. You know, and it and I think it comes coming from an organization, coming from like a nonprofit, whatever the entity is, is more real than coming from Nike. Just a pure yeah. corporate. Coming from a pure court, because of course they're going to say like, oh, we worked so happily. Like, for example, Nike works with Matthew Williams, right, on that Alix collection. It would mean more to hear from Matthew Williams that this is a project I'm proud of and happy to announce than from Nike. Because whatever Nike says, you know, is PR. Good point. I think that is the role that you eventually find brands needing to kind of default to if they want to have a meaningful conversation they all they almost cannot speak about it themselves yeah which i think it's good don't get me wrong i think it's good because it it allows more opportunity for other people to use their platform actually this goes perfectly into my subject On Wednesday in the briefing, I wrote about this Adidas email campaign. Adidas? Sorry. Let me try again. Adidas. <laughs> I'm just in your practice. Adidas. Just picture Adidas. I had to picture it as what's his name? Adolf Dassler. Oh, yeah. Is that his? Yeah, Adolf Dassler. Is it it's not Adolf, it's Adolf Dassler. Adidas. I've heard German people call it Adidas. If it's Adolf Dassler, then it makes sense that it's Adidas. Yeah. Did I say that right? I don't know. Adidas. Adidas. Should I keep this part in? Put it at the end. (laughs) All right. We'll call Andy after this. Okay. So. Should we call him him right now on air? (laughs) 
No. Yeah, we should. We should just call. Where does he live? What day is today? Friday. Like, no, like when, 2 p.m. No, what numerically what day is it? It's June 8th. Oh, he's still in Germany, which might be perfect. That's what I was asking. Is the time zone even right? What time is it in Germany right now? It's probably 8 a.m. I'll just try calling him. Okay. I feel like he won't pick up. This is so suspenseful. He's not going to pick up. He's sleeping. Do you know this for a fact? I don't know. It's 8 a.m. He's sleeping. He's going to call you back later, though, and be like, yo, what's up? Failed attempt at calling Andy. On Wednesday in the briefing, I wrote about this email campaign that Adidas released. We, we have extra information on this. So on Wednesday, I wrote that it was probably a Spain-specific campaign. And then Tom Kirkby from Breaks in London responded in the Slack and said he and his mates got the email as well. So we can at least know that it was sent to Spain and the UK, possibly all of Europe. So what the campaign is, and originally this was shared by the outline written by Philip Sherburn, a contributing editor at Pitchfork. Um, The email was titled, the subject line was, you're about to go viral. And it contained instructions, six steps, on how to use your trainers to get likes on Instagram. Did you see it? I didn't see it. So Kirkby forwarded it in English to me because the one in the outline was in Spanish. And the six steps are, make sure you take a great photo. It's all in the timing. Hashtags, use a location tag, reach out to your tribe, tag accounts that might share your photo. And Sherburn writes about this He has this quote that he says, there's a point where supposedly cool brands are so desperate for attention that they behave in the least cool way possible. The thirst is real and it's funny to witness. And I do agree with this, right? Mm -hmm. Because yes, Adidas is right that you could get likes. But as any teenager knows, if you try too hard to be cool, you come off as not cool. Did you know that as a child? I question that. Not because I don't disagree, but I think the the threshold is different now. I can see the value in this. I think it speaks to a current generation. You can see the value in this campaign? I see it, but do I agree with it? No, there's a difference. I can see how some someone out there that just bought a pair of Adidas shoes and they're like 17 and like, hey, I'm going to share these I, shoes. There's no way. You don't think so? No. Oh my God. I do not. Me? Okay, For no. For sure there's value okay. in this. I was agreeing. I was ready to agree with you up until you said 17-year-old. The person who is interested in this is like 36 and is on Instagram with like six photos. You think so? Yes. I, how do the you know 17-year-old that? knows how to use social media. Sorry, should I, I back know. up from the mic as I get frustrated no, with you? No, I don't you? know. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. This is always interesting when you're trying to dissect quote-unquote youth culture. Well, to this point though, do other kids out there that delete photos that don't get enough likes? The kids out there who are deleting photos because they don't get enough likes know how to get the likes. They don't need this campaign. This campaign then is not for them. why are they deleting them. photos in the first place? I'm not saying that they don't have the same objective. I'm agreeing that Adidas is right about the objective that people want to get likes. I'm not saying they're wrong in that. Correct. But I think this like wiki how one, two, three, four, five, six is not appealing Oh, I don't people. think it's appealing either. I guess, Kate, we can agree. Do you the see objective. what I'm saying? Here, the yes. objective is agreed upon. The yes. Delivery is something that we don't agree upon. Exactly. So the conclusion I draw is actually different from Sherburn's because Sherburn, the conclusion he draws is he doesn't like a sneaker company is trying to be something else, is trying to be this personal brand consultancy. But 
I disagree because we all know as consumers that we actually expect our companies to provide more than the product. Like we know we we don't buy. Now we do. Now we know that we don't. The modern day company needs to. Buy Adidas to have functional footwear by itself. Like that's not the sole purpose. We are there to buy into the cool and the attraction and to communicate to our peers that we are cool. But the tactic that Adidas has done is to lean so hard into it as to be unappealing. If I was to do this campaign differently, it leads back directly to where we came from. Get get a photographer that actually takes a lot of sneaker photos and is like relevant and then have them do the guide. Yeah. Get someone else to say it. That that to me feels like it works. Definitely. This- or to get people from outside footwear blogs that are not Adidas affiliated. That would be cool too, to work with a unboxing company mm. or like basically just anyone else saying it besides Adidas. Also just the, I think the, the positioning of the content itself. The content itself is done in a way where it's just like, as you mentioned, WikiHow. Actually, I don't know. I'm trying to think how I'm, you do I'm it. I'm thinking even if you didn't find outside people to say this for you, you could have done this in an editorial way where you talked about, oh, Instagram just revealed this about their algorithm. Yeah. Which is kind of saying the same thing, but it more tactfully. Yeah. Honestly, this is this is interesting to me because I've always sort of recognized an outsider's perspective in terms of relevancy, and especially in a brand setting. But now this is like, it really kind of hits home on the basis of two, two things that have come up. And when I say come up, I mean just like the two, these in the last week, these two things that have come up and like have kind of shown the, the impact and, and the requirements of an outside voice to create authenticity. Because I think that in some ways, I don't, I don't feel as though Adidas talking about better sneaker photography is, is inherently off-brand. No, I don't think so. I don't think I so. I don't either. even think them talking about posting on Instagram is off-brand. But it's the way they've done it is also just poor timing. Like the, this material feels outdated even. Yeah. And I, I do wonder, is it that Nike and Adidas and similarly large corporations are so big and they have so many internal people that they've lost perspective? There's no, like you said, there's no outside. There's no new perspective coming in. I don't know. Do you ever feel as though there's value in doing poor communication to the point that it it's it's memorable. When I look at some of the content and some of the commercials coming out, some of them are done deliberately poorly, I feel, because you know that you'll you'll be talking about it. I don't think, but I wouldn't describe that as done poorly. I don't know if it's done poorly, it's just like I would describe it as done satirically or tongue in cheek. But then tongue in cheek is an acknowledgement. You can kind of see beneath the layers that hey this was done as a joke. Yeah. And this, I don't think this was though. Isn't. And I do see the value of what you're saying. Like, you could take it so far as to be memorable and good. I mean, we're talking about it. In how it's bad. Yeah. And apparently, Tom and his mates passed it around too. We're talking yeah. about it. That's an interesting. That is an interesting side effect, totally unintended yeah. from them. It's also interesting because the, the fact that it's, more regional, like I, I, I subscribed to some Adidas emails, but I never got that. I one like, does this create reputational damage to Adidas? Oh, I do wonder about that. I don't know. 
Um, I don't know. I don't, because it's, I don't feel any differently about their like, footwear. Over, over the course it, of this, do you think both Nike and Adidas have incurred reputational damage? What I take away from this, it's a warning to big brands and to small brands that are going bigger to be more thoughtful yeah. in campaigns and marketing efforts. Yeah. And mm, I think the damage that they incur is not necessarily like, oh, they're this big bad company or like Adidas is now, you know, foolish, right? Or they got egg on their face. I don't think that's the damage. I think the damage is that you will become more interested in small companies that do these things really well. Got the it. more... I agree. The more Adidas, Nike, big companies lose make, the plot, right? And they yes, kind of like exactly. Lose touch. It's mm-hmm. interesting to see things unravel. I mean, I'm, I'm, I never like to look at one instance as the overarching view of where something's going, because you kind of need some reinforcement. Okay, well, that one event happened, and then it happened again in six weeks. Oh, and then it happened again three weeks after. Then that sort of suggests a trend, but one event doesn't necessarily create it's a trend. How do I put this? Like we've talked increasingly more about product and I think it's something that we enjoy talking about because it it does play a purpose and it has the ability to touch so many people's lives. And it's it's a way to unify. It's an initial talking point. Like we started talking about sneakers in both capacities today, but I think it's sort of spun into something a little bit more interesting, a little bit more profound. I've started to like mentally think that when you meet people, you have a quote on how much time you can talk about sneakers or like products, maybe five minutes max. After that, it has to go to somewhere else or else I'm out of here. The product itself is not the thing that is inherently interesting. It's, how does that conversation go? Oh, what shoes are those? Society. Oh, it's XYZ model. How much do they cost you this much? Like that's the end of that conversation, right? So you have to take it to these places we've talked about where you, how do you do Pride Month better? How do you do marketing campaigns that aren't tone deaf? I think that's a good place to finish. If you are interested in learning more about Bacon and reading and listening to more stories focused on the sights and sounds of creative culture, you can visit us at Macon.com. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to recommend it to a friend. That's probably the best way for us to gain more listeners, put people onto what we're doing. And also check out the website if you get a chance, Macon.com, M-A-E-K-N.com. You can also get in touch with us, both of us, by emailing stories at Macon.com or hitting us up individually on Twitter. I'm at Eugene Can. I'm at Sure is Nice. I'm Eugene. I'm Sharice. And this is Making It Up. <laughs> <laughs>